2: Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Okay, so uh, today there's another hearing in front of the Judiciary Committee. So this is what Mr. Burke said, the attorney for the Democrats. He points out that the Republicans are saying, This is unfair. We can't go ahead. We can't take a vote. We can't decide on this because we haven't heard from the actual fact witnesses, the people who are right there at the middle of things. We haven't seen the documents. So how can we go ahead? So this is Burke's response. He says, the reason we've not heard from all witnesses or documents is because President Trump himself has obstructed this investigation. He's directed his most senior aides who are involved in some of these events not to come testify, to defy subpoenas. He has told every one of his agencies with records that could be relevant not to produce those records to us to try to obstruct our investigation. Now, this is evidence that President Trump is replaying the playbook used in the prior Department of Justice investigation. That would be the Mueller investigation. In that investigation, he directed his White House counsel to create a false, phony record and document and lie denying that President Trump had told him to fire the special counsel he did many other things to try to interfere with that investigation. He attacked the investigators and the witnesses and called them horrible names, just as he has done here. This is Mr. Burke laying out basically uh, obstruction of Congress, or obstruction of justice. And then he continues, and President Trump thought he could get away with it. On July 24th, that was the day that special counsel, the special counsel testified before this committee, that would be Robert Mueller, And the House Intelligence Committee, the 24th. It was exactly the following day, the 25th of July, that President Trump spoke to President Zelensky in furtherance of his Ukraine scheme. He thought he got away with it, that's with Bob Mueller, and he thought he could use his powers to interfere with that investigation so he could do what he wanted. He's just laying this out. He says he could act like he was above the law, and if he got caught, He would use his powers to try to obstruct the investigation and prevent the facts from coming, and that's exactly what he did. Continuing, and this is, we're getting, you know, right to the punchline here. But fortunately, fortunately, because of the true American patriots who came forward to testify, despite the threats by the president against the people who work in his own administration, they tell the story. They, on their own, produce documents that provide incontrovertible, clear, and overwhelming evidence that President Trump did this scheme. He put his political reelection interests over the nation's national security and the integrity of its elections. And then he talks about why this is of consequence. The reason why the Russia investigation playbook has failed Trump this time is that there is direct evidence of the president's scheme. Witnesses have come forward, and there is an easy story to tell. Donald Trump abused his power to pressure a foreign country to interfere on his behalf in the 2020 election. And that's why he deserves to be impeached. Now, I would add there's a whole bunch of other reasons why he deserves to be impeached. As, as we posted on uh, Facebook over the weekend, there are others who are suggesting that there's specific reasons why he should be impeached. For example they're doing this whole riff, right? This whole, oh my God, oh my God, you know, Hunter Biden had this job, you know, and Joe Biden's being asked about this everywhere. And by the way, Joe Biden's got to come up with a good answer for that. His son has already said, his son Hunter Biden has already said, my taking that job showed poor judgment. And Hunter is right up front about the fact that he has had a lifetime of poor judgment. He was a drug addict. He went into rehab. I believe he got kicked out of a school. I mean, there's just there's a collection of, shall we say, missteps that Hunter Biden has made. And I'm not saying this to be critical. I mean, I, you know, I, I can point to a long a series of probably similarly stupid mistakes that I've made in my life, including abusing drugs as a teenager. And it was poor judgment on my part, sometimes. <laughs> but, but my bottom line here is Hunter Biden took this job as did the president of Poland, they were, you know, the, the the Ukrainian company was trying to clean up their image, so they were getting some high-profile people on their board of directors, and it was bad judgment to do that. Or what Joe Biden should have said when Barack Obama tasked him with the job of cleaning up Ukraine, helping get rid of the corrupt prosecutor. Joe Biden should have said, "I can't do that." because my son works for a Ukrainian company, and it would look like a conflict of interest. Either Joe or Hunter or both of them should have said no. If Joe Biden wants to put all this behind him, in my humble opinion, maybe you have a different opinion, he should simply take an interview. He's had three opportunities in the last week, in the last five, six days, and I think he's blown every one of them. He should simply take an interview, and in that interview, he should say, you know, my son and I had an agreement that I wouldn't interfere in his business world. He wouldn't interfere in my politics. And that way, everything's arm's length. And in retrospect, that was probably a mistake. And I should have told him not to take that job in Ukraine. And he should have known not to take that job in Ukraine, which he has said And that's the end of it. It was poor judgment on his part. But poor judgment is a completely different thing from corruption. We weren't trying to overturn an election. We weren't trying to to interfere with a U.S. presidential election. We weren't trying to conspire with a foreign government. It was my son taking a job from a company overseas, which lawyers in the United States do all the time. There's nothing illegal about it. So yeah, it was a mistake you know, if that's the only example of poor judgment in my life, that's pretty good. I can think of a few others, you know, Joe Biden could say, you know, and maybe point out his support for the, for the bankruptcy reform act of 2005 that made it impossible for students to get out of, you know, to bankrupt their student debts, or uh, his uh, support of the Iraq War or something like that. Things that he's already acknowledged were mistakes, right? Just Just tick off a couple of them and just lay it out there, and then it gets done. Then it's over. But, you know, the the, the the point that I was making, the, the larger point that I wanted to make in this entire context, is that Donald Trump's attack on Joe Biden right now is that his son worked for Burisma. This is the same guy whose daughter, Donald Trump's daughter, works in the White House. Donald Trump's son-in-law works in the White House. Rudy's son works in the White House. Bill Barr's son-in-law the husband of bill barr's daughter works in the white house bill barr's daughter works at the treasury department donald trump's sons are doing foreign business they're traveling all over the world donald trump's daughter is getting chinese patents and saudi grants and he wants to talk about hunter biden i mean you know pot meat kettle, right i mean this this is like really and I see that Jerry Nadler is now speaking, and he's, uh, I believe he's introducing Mr. Daniel Goldman, who is the lawyer for the Democrats. Either he's introducing him or he's asking him, and yeah, he's asking him questions. So let's just pick up the uh, live coverage here of the hearings. Election
4: interference was a continuing risk to our free and fair elections. Did the evidence prove that President Trump was a threat to our elections? Yes, it did, Mr. Chairman. And in fact, finding a fact, eight says... Faced with the revelation of his actions, President Trump publicly and repeatedly persisted in urging foreign governments, including Ukraine and China, to investigate his political opponent. This continued solicitation of foreign interference in a U.S. election presents a clear and present danger that the President will continue to use the power of his office for his personal political gain, close quote, I would add, in the next election. I now yield to my counsel, Mr. Burke, for additional questioning.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Castor, as an experienced investigator, would you agree that it's relevant to look at evidence bearing on the president's state of mind that may help explain the president's This is Mr.
2: Action? Burke uh, interviewing- Sir, oh. my only question to you is- Oh, he's is, is asking Stephen Castor, thing the, to lawyer. Right. the lawyer right. for I the uh, Republicans.
1: Is it, it's relevant to consider. Sir, would you agree that Joe Biden was a leading Democratic contender to face president Trump in 2020. I wouldn't agree with that. You disagree with it. So, sir, it's your testimony. It's too early that President Trump did not view President Biden to be a legitimate contender. I don't know what President Trump believed or didn't believe, but it's too early. Sir, as part of your inquiry, did you determine whether President Trump tweeted at all about former Vice President Joe Biden between January and July 25th? And how many times? I didn't. I didn't look at Twitter. I try to stay off Twitter lately. Did you know President Trump t- uh, tweeted about former Vice President Joe Biden over 25 times between no. January and uh, July 25th? No, I didn't. I didn't look at those tweets. Did you look at how many times President Trump mentioned Vice President
0: Biden in a?
1: This is the Democrats' lawyer the July
2: interrogating the Republicans' lawyer. It's President fascinating.
0: Trump goes to a lot of rallies. He does a lot of tweeting. I think it's pretty difficult to. Draw too many conclusions from his tweets or his statements at rallies. Mr. Chairman. Well, sir, Mr. You're
4: Chairman. Me, parliamentary. The gentleman is not recognized for parliamentary.
0: And the
2: Republicans are doing Mr. their Chairman, strategy. They've been trying to do this all day recognized. of trying to make gentleman the hearings boring. You know, they go on Fox News and they say these hearings are just boring. And then they try to make them We're boring with all this parliamentary brouhaha. And now
5: witnesses. And this is uh, Louis
2: Gohmert have having his gentlemen
5: How suspend. many other rules are you just going to disregard?
4: Gentlemen su- will suspend. Parliamentary inquiries are not in order.
5: This time. Well, how about a point of, point, order. Of order? point of order? This is not appropriate to have a witness have a point be order? a questioner a point of, of somebody order, that was a witness Gentlemen, when he was.
4: The will suspend It's just mind. wrong. The, the Gentlemen will refrain the from making point inquiry. The well, I made this a, is a the, point of order. The Republicans order. are all, it's
2: not going their way, basically. You know, it's like he, the Democrats lawyer got the Republicans lawyer to admit that or, or to, first of all, say, oh, Trump didn't think that Biden was going to be his uh, his competitor. Uh, therefore, there's no there there. And, you know, as soon as, uh, that was Castor, the Republican's lawyer. And as soon as Barry Burke, the Democrat's lawyer, got that out of Stephen Castor, out of the uh, Republican's lawyer, that the entire premise of their defense of Donald Trump and the whole Ukraine thing was that Trump didn't actually think that Joe Biden was... You know, going to be possibly, the probably Burke the guy he was, was going to run line. against. And then Bush Burke Bush. points out that Burke Trump tweeted 25 times about Joe Biden from January until the July phone call with Zelensky. Clearly he thought Biden was going to be the guy up against him. As soon as this all came out, all these Republicans are jumping in going, wait a minute, we want to talk about parliamentary procedure. We want to, you to stop the stop this, stop it. Here it is. Wait, listen, this is insane.
4: Burke it's inappropriate six, six, testimony in the committee. It is i have ruled the the gentleman has the time pursuant mr. Chairman, to rule 660.
6: Well,
5: point of order uh, mr chairman the gentleman will the point mr. of order and i wish
2: nadler would quit giving into these guys
5: yes the point of order is this um we operate by rules if there's nothing specifically in the rule permitting this we go by precedent it is unprecedented for a person to come and sit who you've described as a witness to then return to the bench and begin Ge- the questioning. Stated, that is a point of order.
4: The gentleman has stated. And now they're gonna ask for a order, vote. But I will point out. Right.
2: Let's drag this out.
4: point of order. I will point out that we are, the gentleman has been designated by me to, to do this questioning uh, pursuant to rule 666 six, six, house resolution 660, which is part of the rules of the house is not it, it, it is in accordance with the rules of the house and the gentleman's time
1: these was guys true.
2: all knew it by the way that this is you thank know, you mr chairman Entirely Mr. Castler, you consistent. were aware okay, that we
1: president trump announced his candidacy for reelection in 2020 and he announced it the month before the july 25th call on june 21st okay did you find that did you look at that in your investigation as part of looking at president trump's intent and what he intended on the july 25th call i
0: mean the date he announced his, I mean, he's obviously running for re-election. What is, what is the date he announced his intent to run for re-election matters?
1: And, and, sir, you knew that President Biden had already announced his intent to run in April of that year, too, correct? I've,
0: it's been related to me. I, it wasn't, I don't know when Vice President Biden d- indicated he was going to going to run as I sit here today. Sir, so you would agree with me that if the Ukraine announced
1: a corruption investigation of former Vice President Joe Biden, that would hurt his credibility as a candidate. Would you agree with that basic principle, sir? Well, nobody
2: Here we
4: go.
1: Yes or no, sir? Would you agree with that principle?
0: Well, I slightly disagree with the with the predicate, with with the premise of your question, because Chairman, we're talking I, about Chairman, I, I Hunter object Biden. to the question that requests
4: opinion evidence. The
2: now now not the Republicans back back are, you know, he the floor. Is he I fit again? to
4: the question. Ah. Gentlemen, on whether the
1: question
2: It's amazing. Is the order
4: or it's
1: not.
2: Not. With more from the hearing, and then I'll be picking up your phone calls on it and, and offering my own commentary. What a remarkable time we're living through. What an absolutely remarkable time. We have a a criminal in the White House who runs, who has for years run a criminal enterprise.
3: And now he's being exposed. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: We have been popping in on the proceedings that are going on in the impeachment inquiry of the House Judiciary Committee, chaired by Jerry Nadler. And the lawyer for the Democrats, Barry Burke, has been asking questions of the lawyer for the Republicans, uh, Stephen Castor, and got Castor to say, well, you know, we didn't, you know, I don't think that Trump thought that he was going to run against Joe Biden. I don't think that's what, you know, that's why he was doing these things, asking for these investigations. You know, which is a pretty naked, you know, a little bit of BS here. The Republicans keep going in and saying, well, let's disrupt this. Let's disrupt it." particularly at the top of the hour, right? If they can take the first five or 10 minutes so that all the news agencies will move away from the hearing or that people who are listening will say, oh, this is incredibly boring. I don't want to listen to this. Let's say, where's some good music? so this is their strategy in fact they've they've openly bragged about it and they go on fox news all the time and go yeah those hearings are just so boring right? it's all kinds of procedural stuff so yeah, i want to just pop in just listen and see what's going on and
6: it's the well, the, the the monitor was turned now we can see okay
1: gentlemen will resume thank you mr chairman so in the, here it says that you said
2: okay this Ms. is the democrats lawyer asking questions of the republicans nothing lawyer. more
1: let's look at slide it, it seven if we may more. let's look at it says unusual
0: correct isn't right, it but fact? it doesn't say and nothing more
1: no it says unusual is it a fact sir that what miss williams says is she struck her as unusual and inappropriate isn't that correct sir okay that's what she said in her testimony. Okay. And in your staff report, you left out the inappropriate
0: part. It didn't wasn't you? a block quote. It was she, she felt it was unusual. She didn't raise the concerns that Lieutenant General Kellogg. So, sir, let me ask you were you as fair to the American people
1: in describing what Ms. Williams said as you were in describing any, everything else in your report?
0: I, I, I don't have an issue with the way we described. Miss Williams' testimony. Well, let's look
1: at what else Miss Williams said. Can we put up slide eight?
2: Oh, this is interesting.
1: This is from Miss Williams' uh,
2: public Ms. Williams testimony. Williams is the uh, is the person who works he for Mike said, Pence.
1: I quote: I thought that the references to Jennifer specific Williams. individuals in investigations, such as former Vice President Biden and his son, struck me as political in nature, given that former Vice President is a political opponent of the president. So you left that out of your staff report too, didn't you?
0: you know miss williams sir, did you leave that out of your report yes or no i think i if, you, if you're telling me i did i mean i don't i don't know as i sit here right now whether that's in i'm the telling you you should. did okay
2: he's basically saying you, you republicans are cherry picking information
0: sir where you said you said
1: miss williams said that the call was unusual when she fact she said it was unusual and inappropriate and of a political nature because it re- raised vice president uh the vice president who she recognized was a political opponent of the president
0: her, her views of the call differ remarkably from mr morrison also from lieutenant general keller that's not my
1: question my question is why did you misquote Ms. williams in terms of what she misquoter. said why did you do it we, we didn't certainly misquote. didn't misquote her so you stand so from the standard that you apply to your fact-finding in your report you believe that it was entirely proper to say that Ms. williams found the call to be unusual when in fact she found the call to be unusual and inappropriate and of a political nature, given that the former vice president is a political opponent of the president. Is that
0: your testimony, sir? I mean, we described what Ms. Williams said. Sorry, is said that it was your tes-
5: No, you didn't. Ms. Chairman. If either you can ask, you can the here the we go again. Of, he can either ask or answer. He can't <laughs> do both. <laughs> you can ask or answer. can't. <laughs> the, do
2: both. the gentleman
4: the is not recognized. The chairman, okay. the chairman I make a point of order that he's badgering the witness. It's the, the, it's
2: the old circus. Okay, let's back away from this for a minute. And oh, the gentleman will continue. Okay, let's let's go vote. back to it. Sir,
1: you invoked Mr. Mr. Chairman. Can you rule on my point of order that he's badgering the witness <laughs> because he's doing <laughs> this? It. Is
2: again the Republicans? Sir, oh, you, you we have, can't it have. It we it don't it want this testimony. This is riveting. Not we've, a got a, we've got to make it boring to so people will turn away. The point of order the
4: committee is not in order, and the chairman is not in order. That is yeah. not a point of order. The committee is in order. The well, would you rule on
2: the my original jury point of order? Jerry, quit defending it all. Just say it. Shut
4: up. Necessitate that the, a ruling that the chairman, lawyer is badgering the witness the lo- we have to have some decorum w- in here and general- you have your rules of decorum
2: right. which aren't comporting
4: with everybody else's rules i will say that sharp cross-examination of a witness is not badgering the witness the gentleman will continue no, M- mr chairman it is
5: if it's not the, the, the witness. witness
4: no one the gentleman has the time mr chairman so, point of order
2: so here we go again. A point of order. Mr. Sheriff, Under see, the longer the Republicans six, six, can drag this out, the more likely the they are to up, cause people right. to stop so is watching it? Is the hearings no, or to stop what listening the to them on what the are radio. Are the That's that their not goal. A, that is not a and point then point they go on Fox News and they say, oh, I don't know, it was just such a boring thing, you know, it's just amazing. And then the other thing, of course, they say is, well, we couldn't actually hear from the people who knew what was going on. We never heard from Mick Mulvaney. We never heard from John Bolton. We never heard from Vice President Pence. We never heard from Trump and. So how can you have an impeachment hearing? And, of course, the reason we haven't heard from them is because Donald Trump, in defiance of the Supreme Court, in, in Nixon v. USA, said, or USA v. Nixon, and in defiance well, the of, of the, the Constitution is saying, Mr. Goldman, no, I'm not going to give you anything.
1: You heard the call. You okay, so now he's back to the questions. President Trump was not discussing the talking points that the NSC had prepared based on official U.S. policy and was instead talking about the investigations that Fiona Hill had warned you about. And then you reported it immediately to the NSC legal adviser. Is that the correct claim of events here? And Mr. Morrison said, that's correct. Before I ask you, Mr. Castor, let me ask you, Mr. Goldman. Earlier, before your presentation, we showed the testimony of Ms. Hill, where she referred to what President Trump was trying to do as running a domestic political errand. Is that what you understand? Is that what you intended to ask
6: Mr. Morrison about in your question to him? Yes, it was about these two specific investigations that President Trump ultimately did. Discuss you got a Democratic lawyer the interrogating
2: the Democratic lawyer. Uh,
6: these are the same two investigations that uh, were discussed. This is Daniel and Goldman the being
2: interrogated two by Barry investigations
6: That were at issue throughout the entirety of the scheme, and so what our evidence found was that any time there was a reference to investigations. It referenced the Biden investigation and the 2016 election investigation. And in fact, Ambassador Volker actually said that whenever he was saying, using the term corruption, what he meant was those specific two investigations.
1: And what was the significance to you that Mr. Morrison, who Mr. Castor himself has relied on and invoked twice today, where he said that he understood these were the investigations that Fiona Hill had warned him about, warned him about. What did you understand
6: that to mean? When um, Dr. Hill left and Tim Morrison replaced her, they had um, transition meetings. And during one of those transition meetings, Dr. Hill told Tim Morrison about what she believed to be this irregular channel that Ambassador Sondland was operating, where they were pushing for Ukraine to do these investigations. And Dr. Hill in particular was very concerned, because as she said, as you pointed out, That was a domestic political errand, and what she was working on and the National Security Council was working on related to national security and foreign policy, and those were two entirely separate things.
1: And was she expressing the view that President Trump had chose his own personal political interests over the foreign policy
6: uh, positions that Ms. Hill was trying to pursue? At the time that she said that to Tim Morrison, she was not aware of whether uh, President Trump had actually endorsed these investigations, but she did testify that after she read the call transcript, which she only read after it was released like the rest of us, she said that she put two and two together and realized that that is exactly what he was talking about.
1: And what was two and two again?
6: Uh, It equals four. And what is four in this investigation, sir? Well, it was used by two witnesses, Ambassador Sondland and David Holmes, uh, as the only logical conclusion to explain why the security assistance had been withheld, was being withheld from Ukraine. And based on all of the various factors and their direct involvement in issues related to Ukraine, they concluded. That the security assistance was being withheld to put pressure and as a condition on the initiation of the two investigations that are referenced here. Yeah.
0: Right, turning to you, Mr. I got to clear a couple turn, things up turn, here. Turn, turn, I got to clear a couple things up here, if I may. First of all, Morrison was concerned. Morrison didn't think the call Sir, you have no,
4: there's no question. The gentleman has the time, not the I
0: mean, This is sir, the, me, the Republican lawyer jumping leaders. in let here let saying, you, wait sir. a minute, I want
2: to I want to say something. you said-, I by, you
0: mean,
5: said by the way, Volcker started... never meant- The
4: gentleman has the time. The clock will stop if he's
5: interrupted. Will right. well, this witness be able to cross-examine Mr. Burke like he's being able to cross-examine the opposing gentleman witness? Louis-Louis
2: wants to So here we go. We're off. We're off again to the races. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And let's just pop in for a second and see what's going on. The
1: Ukrainians knew that he, meaning Rudy Giuliani, was a conduit to convince President Trump that President Zelensky was serious about reform. Isn't that what you wrote in your yeah. report, sir? Okay. And and in fact, during the call, President Trump asked President Zelensky to speak directly so to the president. So the speaker right
2: now is Barry Burke, the Democrats lawyer.
1: That President Trump was interested in, correct? You referred him to Rudy, yeah. And he's asking...
2: Yes. Um, the Republicans fact, lawyer, Mr. Olson. President
0: Zelensky said, oh, we already knew that, and, and he's been in touch with my aides, correct? That's right. In fact, I mean, the Ukrainians are the ones that first, President Zelensky is the one who first brings up Mr. Giuliani on the call. Right, because they knew that Mr. Giuliani was a conduit to the president,
1: and if they made Mr. Giuliani happy, they'd make the president yeah, Trump and, happy. A, Ambassador
0: Volker testified, though, that Mr. Giuliani had a negative uh, impression of Ukraine, and that he was possibly fueling um. The president's views and so they had uh, there were some discussions about hey if this you is rudy actually. that president zelensky is a true reformer the real deal that that would be a beneficial um, a beneficial link well sir you agree that
1: President president's name is steve, is steve before Castor. My, july, my july, is july 25th calling after was pushing for the ukrainians to investigate vice former vice president joe biden is not that correct
0: yes um, or no yeah i mean the, the record is somewhat spotty with giuliani i mean i know the new york times reported in may but ambassador volker gave a pretty detailed account of his meeting on july 19th well let's let's take and a look
1: if we could put up slide 16 the new york times article you referred to
4: yeah
1: right and the article says i'll read it mr giuliani and this is dated may 9th, 2019 before the call mr giuliani said he plans to travel to kiev the ukrainian capital in the coming days and wants to meet with the nation's President-elect to urge him to pursue inquiries that, and then it continues, that allies of the White House contend could yield new information about two matters of intense interest to Mr. Trump. One is the origin of the special counsel's investigation, goes on to describe it, new sentence. The other is the involvement of former Vice President Joe Biden's son. Okay. And now that was in the New York Times article. And- Can we talk about the breakfast with Volcker? If we could, if we could, not yet. If we could continue the rest of the article to the next slide, which is uh, slide 17. This is the same article. And Mr. Giuliani was very explicit when he was interviewed. He said, and this isn't foreign policy. I'm now, you quoting quoting the words that are highlighted. He says, it'll be very, very helpful to my client. My only client is the President of the United States. He's the one I have an obligation to report to, to him what happened regarding the Ukraine. Now, sir, were you aware on that same day Mr. Giuliani gave an interview about what he intended to do and let's go to slide 18. This is from Rio Real, Real, uh, Real Clear Politics and it should be in the screen in front of you as well. And what he what Mr. This Giuliani said This is all
2: fascinating stuff. For you- the Tom Hartman program, we'll be back with more of the hearing, and, you know, when it's interesting, and my rants and your calls when it's not. <laughs> so stick around. The Tom Hartman program, the place where despair is not an option. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com has blue like the color blue. Blue Bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your doctor in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew, Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our podcast listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. All you pay is five bucks for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW Dot com Promo code T H O M, promo code Tom, to try it free. Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring our podcast.
1: He's being interviewed now the same day in a Politico, and he's asked about Mr. Uh, Giuliani. He's leaving soon. I think in the next couple days, Mr. Trump says, I see. Well, I will speak to him about it before he leaves.
0: Volker, you know, counseled against the perspective Giuliani was taking. So my question to you, sir, is this tweet, what they're talking
1: about, well, let me ask you, Mr. Goldman, you haven't had a chance at all. This tweet, is that referring to a personal political issue of President Trump or official U.S. policy?
6: That's a, that's a personal political issue, and if, if you don't mind, I'll just take a moment to respond to Mr. Castor, because... Please do. On that July 19th meeting between Ambassador Volker and Rudy Giuliani, Ambassador Volker told Mr. Giuliani that the allegations about Joe Biden were completely uh, bogus and wrong. And Mr. Giuliani actually told, according to Ambassador Volker's testimony, Mr. Giuliani said that he knew that, and yet for the next two months he continued to push for that same investigation at the direction of President Trump, who had also directed President Zelensky to contact Mr. Giuliani. So that that July 19th meeting that Mr. Castor brought up is actually quite important to this investigation.
1: And, sir, you, you already explained that on May 23rd, when the official folks who went to the inauguration of President Zelensky came back to tell the president how impressed they were, The only thing he had to say to them was talk to Rudy. He was taking his official government people responsible for Ukraine and handing them over to Rudy Giuliani so that they could work with him for the issues that he was focused on for the president as evidence
6: in the tweet. Is that fair? I agree with Mr. Kester. I think that's that's what the evidence shows that at that May 23rd meeting, President Trump directed and delegated authority over Ukraine matters to Ambassador Sondland, Volker, and Secretary Perry and told them to work with Rudy. And then over the next three months, that's exactly what happened at the president's direction. Okay. And
1: in fact, let me show you uh, what is slide uh, 22, if I may, that you understood the Ukrainians, recognized how important Rudy Giuliani was and satisfying
6: him in order to stay on good terms with President Trump? Yes, they they – Quickly realized it, I think, from their own um, internal conversations, because Mr. Giuliani had back channels to getting to um, to the Ukrainian officials, and um, Ambassador Volker told the Ukrainians as well um, that there was this quote Giuliani factor that President Zelensky he actually told it to President Zelensky that there was this Giuliani factor that uh, they needed to deal with with the president.
1: And in fact, this is the senior aide to President Zelensky saying to ambassador volker on august 13th which is obviously after the july 25th call thank you for meeting in your clear and very logical position will be great meet with you before my departure and discuss i feel that the key for many things is rudy and i'm ready to talk to him with him at any point please let me know when you can meet audrey and again that's Rudy. the, the am i right that's the ukrainians recognize that rudy giuliani who's demanding the investigation of Mr. Trump's political rival was key to getting anything done. I don't
6: mean to be a stickler, but I believe this text was actually July 10th, um, and this was a critical text uh, because what it is saying is Mr. Yermak, after having spoken to Mr. Volcker a week before and learning about the importance of Giuliani, requested to Ambassador Volcker to meet, to set up a meeting with Mr. Giuliani. That then proceeded to this July 19th breakfast that Mr. Castor said, and then a July 22nd phone call, and then ultimately they met in Madrid on August 2nd.
1: Thank you, Mr. Goldman. Further evidence of the meticulous investigation that uh, Chairman Schiff and his staff with you directed. uh, We will stand corrected. Thank you. And I will take that and ask that the record reflect that, that that is the correct date. In either case, Rudy was key whenever it was said, correct? Certainly. And now let me ask, sir, Let me put up slide 24. And Mr. Goldman, am I correct that there came a point in time when President Trump, through his chief of staff, uh, Mick Mulvaney, ordered that the approved military aid to Ukraine be withheld, as you previously indicated, correct? Yes. And this is the testimony of the people who were involved. Mr. Kent said, when this happened, there was great confusion among the rest of us because we didn't understand why that had happened since there was unanimity that this aid was in our national interest. It just surprised us all. Mr. Holmes, and then you had the additional hold of the security assistance with no explanation whatsoever and we still have an explanation and we still have, don't have an explanation for why that happened or in the way that happened. Ms. Croft, the only reason given was that the order came at the direction of the President. So. Sir, let me ask you a question. Did all the agencies involved believe that the age should be given?
2: Okay, right now we've got Barry Burke. He's questioning the Democrats' investigator. One, one is the lawyer for like the Democrats and the other is the lawyer for the Intelligence Committee. And uh, so here we go. I'm, I just want to go back Connecting to this because they're getting into some
1: resumption of, of U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine provided the public anti-corruption statement that we have been discussing for many weeks. Is that correct, sir?
6: Yes. He said that on, on uh, at a meeting on September 1st with Mr. Yermak in Warsaw. And the statement that they had been talking about. Let me put up a
1: slide that we put together, slide 27. And you recall, sir, that in the draft statement. Barry Burke is asking questions
2: of Daniel Goldman.
1: And was that statement on their mind so they could get a White House meeting and satisfy
6: President Trump and have the aid released? Yes. Ambassador Sondland testified to that, and Ambassador Volker also testified to that.
1: And am I correct that Mr. Yermak gave a statement where he did not make any reference to Vice President Biden, correct? Correct. And then was that Rudy Giuliani who said in the second one that it had to include a reference that they were going to investigate Burisma in the 2016 election? That's right. And what did Burisma stand for? That was, was that, did you, did all your witnesses say they had an understanding of what that meant? Or did the witnesses say that?
6: So every single witness said, after reading the phone call on July 25th, that it was clear Burisma equaled Biden, that they were one and the same. Um, There were only two witnesses who said that they did not know that until that time. And there was ample testimony. There was a lot of testimony from people involved in all aspects of Ukraine policy uh... who indicated that it was completely unrealistic and unlikely that anyone who had anything to do with ukraine did not would not know that the Burisma investigation related to the Bidens.
2: We are literally hearing why, history being made outing, you know, outing the crimes of, of Donald Trump. Burisma
1: and Vice President Biden, correct? Correct, yes. And did the Ukrainians complain repeatedly, we talked a little bit about it, that they didn't want to be a pawn in U.S. democratic politics by helping President Trump's re-election campaign by making such a statement?
6: They, they said that in, in July. And in August, ultimately, they didn't give the statement in large part because they had reservations, given that President Zelensky was an anti-corruption reformer. They had reservations about engaging in U.S. domestic politics. That's right. Okay.
1: I want to go back to you, Mr. Castor. You said that when President Trump said to Mr. Son- Ambassador Sondland on September 17th that he had no quid pro quo, you said he had no September reason. 9th? You September said- 9th september 9th you said he had no reason to be any less than candid that's what you said no reason to be any less than candid let me show you sir what happened though on september 5th let me show you slide 52.
2: sometimes it takes a minute for them to get their graphics together
1: days before he made that statement the washington post printed an article that says Trump tries to force Ukraine to meddle in the 2020 elections, and goes on to describe some of those efforts. And sir, let me show you whether President Trump was aware of that article before he volunteered no quid pro quo as a defense. Let me show you a tweet by President Trump on slide 53. Now, and again, this is, he is putting out a tweet that is essentially saying the Democrats, based on following up the article, that they are pursuing uh, impeachment. Um, Again, showing awareness that this has now been reported on. So Mr. Goldman, is it fair to say what Mr. Castor said, that Mr. Trump, President Trump had no reason to be any less than candid about saying no quid pro quo? No,
6: no, I think uh, President Trump had uh, every reason to try to put out that message at that point as Ambassador Sondland said, even when he, even if you credit Ambassador Sondland's version of the testimony, which is contradicted by other witnesses who took contemporaneous notes and are were far more credible than Mr. Sondland, who had to amend his testimony a couple times, he said, even in that comment, he said no quid pro quo out of the blue, without without any uh, question about whether or not there was a quid pro quo. Gentlemen's time has expired. Uh, chair now recognizes the ranking
4: member is first, for his first round of questions. Pursuant to House Resolution 660, the ranking member or his counsel have 45 minutes to question the witnesses.
2: Okay, this is going to be... Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
5: Well, it's, it's become very evident... This, why this is, this is hearing Doug is here, from the,
2: Georgia, uh, Doug Collins. ...the craziness
5: of this hearing, especially not having Mr. Schiff here. But please put back up the last slide. I have no idea what number it is.
2: be interesting not to, to see what he has to right, say 50 here.
5: 53. Yep.
2: This is, the, the slide was the there. New York or the Washington Post article, or maybe it was okay, the Trump well, tweet. We're
5: doing this, I mean, I think it's just the, the most amazing statement came out there. We're, we're proofing the tweet that said that he thought that he was the Democrats were concerned about impeachment. There's nothing the Democrats have not been concerned about for two uh, and a half years. Since okay. it's August. I mean, there's no All way right, uh, you things. know uh,
2: we we know what he's going to be saying and what he's going to be doing. So I'm, I'm just going to bail out of that for right now. The other big news is that the report, the Russian inquiry from the Justice Department, this is the Inspector General of the Justice Department, looking into whether the FBI started investigating the Donald Trump campaign back in 2015 or early 2016, because they were out to get Donald Trump. This is the argument that Trump has been making. Uh, This is the argument that Fox News has been making. This is the argument that Tucker Carlson has been making. This is the argument that uh, I've heard Rush Limbaugh make on his radio show, is that the FBI was, was out to get him. And the proof of it was Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, two FBI agents who were working on this case, who were also having an affair, and they were sending text messages to each other. And between the I love you, I love you was, oh, my God, what if Trump gets elected? And Strzok saying, oh, don't worry, we've got insurance. or You know, that's not going to happen. And so the Republicans, having released these private text messages to the world to try to destroy the lives of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, Lisa Page is now pushing back. Peter Strzok has already been pushing back. The Republicans exposed this private affair and the text messages associated with it and said, this is proof that these rogue actors in the FBI were going after Donald Trump simply because they're Democrats and they hate Trump and Republicans. So, Bill Barr said to the inspector general of the Justice Department, check it out. Look into it. Did the FBI start this investigation because they were trying to get Trump? And that report was released. And... Well, I'll just give you the first paragraph or the first sentence of the New York Times report by Charlie Savage and Alan Goldman. A long awaited report by the Justice Department's inspector general released on Monday sharply criticized the FBI's handling of a wiretap application used in the early stages of its Russia investigation, but exonerated former bureau leaders of President Trump's accusation that they engaged in a political politicized conspiracy to sabotage them. Investigators uncovered no documentary or testimonial evidence of political bias behind official actions. The investigation was known as Crossfire Hurricane. It totaled 400 pages. This is Michael Horowitz, the inspector general. He did uncover substantial dysfunction, carelessness, and errors in one part of the inquiry, which was the FBI's application for a wiretap of Carter Page. Um, But this is, you know, these are the kind of screw ups that, you know, uh, filling out forms wrong or or apparently in this case, uh, somebody filling out a form, uh, not just wrong, but, you know, lying in the information, but not for political purposes. They were they just they were concerned that the Russians were trying to hack our election and trying to uh, get inside the Trump campaign. And they wanted to find out what was going on. And I would say it was probably an abundance of zeal. But whatever it was, they clearly found that there was no political bias cap. NPB, no, no political bias. So Trump's entire conspiracy theory just disintegrated, which, you know, is kind of a fine thing, right? So Doug Collins is now uh, interviewing Daniel Goldman. You know, we may get back to some of that a little bit. That, that might produce some
3: interesting fireworks. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. This is the Tom Hartman Program, fair and only slightly
2: unbalanced. The holiday season is upon us. It's that time of year again. Family, friends, and everything so conveniently documented in video and photography, capturing every laugh, smile, and under-eye bag. What was that last part? Under-eye bags, wrinkles, and crow's feet? Yes, those telltale signs of aging. Who wants those in their holiday cards? Now, imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone, in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's exactly what you need to get through the holiday season and beyond. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like me, but younger. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to face that judgmental family member. We all have one. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it, unless, of course, you tell them. Get Plexiderm's holiday promotion. Go to Plexiderm.com and use my code Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1 800 741 7998. That's 1 800 741 7998. Again, 1 800 741 7998. Or visit plexiderm.com today and use the code HARTMAN with two Ns at checkout. And what? Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. And Mr. Castor is still blithering on. <laughs> we checked in on him during the break and he's the Republican lawyer and he's he's going on and on about how, you know, Trump wasn't trying to to intimidate or, or influence Mr. Zelensky when he said, but I need a favor, though. All right. And it's just amazing. You know, it's like it's right in front of their faces. Anyhow, Aaron in Seattle. Hey, Aaron, what's on your mind today? I was in a conversation with a family member over Thanksgiving about emoluments. And
4: this family member said that because Trump is no longer the head of his company and his net worth is going down, he is thus immune from emoluments. So I was just
2: curious, what is emoluments? And is President Trump actually violating the Emoluments Clause? The Emoluments Clause has absolutely nothing to do with your net worth. And Trump still owns, is still the principal owner of the Trump companies, of you know some seven eight hundred companies that make up the little Trump empire. And what the emoluments clause, what an emolument is, is a payment or a gift. And so when the Saudis come over to Washington DC and they rent the entire floor of a Trump hotel for 200 and, I think it was $227,000 a night, as I recall, maybe that was for several nights. Lobbying groups are doing the same thing, sometimes to the tune of over 100,000 bucks and you know, renting lots and lots of Trump facilities. Sometimes they don't even use them. That's a, simply a way of conveying money into the pocket of Donald Trump. And whether he runs the company on a day-to-day basis or not, the money still ends up in his pocket. So that's an emolument.
6: So basically, if he makes like $1 from it,
2: then he's violating the emolument, right? If it is from, from anybody who has anything to do with a foreign government or with any domestic entity that Donald Trump or any of the executive agencies could help this is why every other president you know in the in the modern era has put uh, who who had any assets or resources and you know has put them into a blind trust the most famous being Jimmy Carter Jimmy Carter took his peanut farm and yeah, the president probably through the Department of Agriculture could have something to do with peanut policy, right? And Jimmy Carter took his mm-hmm. peanut farm, put it in a blind trust and gave it to a trustee in Georgia who took over running his farm, his peanut farm. And for the four years that he was president, the guy was not allowed to even give reports to Jimmy Carter. So for four years, Carter had no idea what was going on. And the guy so screwed up Carter's peanut farm that when he left the presidency he had to sell off a whole bunch of land just to recover it he almost lost the entire thing and you know you could argue that's not fair to jimmy carter but but, you know jimmy carter was trying to comply with the emoluments clause george herbert walker bush and george w bush both multi multi multi-millionaires put all of their assets in blind trusts when they became presidents i don't know about reagan I'm sure you know. I know that he put his stuff in a blind trust. I just don't know if he, you know, was super rich or if he was just, you know, living off the. I'm guessing he was probably relatively rich. You know, whether he was a centimillionaire worth more than a hundred million dollars or just an average millionaire, I don't know. And there's two emoluments clauses. The one says mm-hmm. that basically no officer of the United States government shall accept emoluments from any foreign source and so the secretary of state mm-hmm. can't take you know so this is why if you watch that show madam secretary they'll, they'll give the secretary of state a gift and she immediately hands it off to a guy and says put this in the museum basically so she doesn't get it all right so the so the secretary of state doesn't get it and that's true okay. that would be true of the president as well but then there's another a second emoluments clause in article two that says that the president shall be compensated for his work as president in other words, he gets a paycheck to defi- be defined by Congress. They set his pay. But he shall receive no other emoluments while in office. In other words, he cannot take pay from any other source. And it's possible that he's okay with that by literally not taking a paycheck from the Trump organization while he's in the White House. But we don't know if he's doing that or not because we haven't seen his taxes. But I think that you could also argue that, again, an emolument in that context would mean. You know, with that Saudi money ending up in his pay, in his pocket when they use the hotel, or even more blatant, when he orders the U.S. military to stop at an obscure airport in, in Scotland that just happens to be next door to his failing golf club and stay at the golf club. You know, where the the guys on their per diem literally can't even afford to eat in his restaurants because they're so expensive, but you and I are picking up the tab for their rooms. So anyhow, that's how it all works. Aaron, thanks for the call.
4: Are any other members who have wished to vote who have not voted? The clerk will report.
2: Mr. Chairman, there are 15 ayes and 24 noes.
4: The uh, motion is not agreed to. Now we will engage in questions under the five-minute rule. I yield myself five minutes for the purpose of questioning the witnesses. Mr. Goldman, can you please explain the difference between Vice President Biden's request to Ukraine a few years ago and
6: President Trump's request to, to Ukraine earlier this year? Yes, when Vice President Biden uh, pressured the Ukrainian president to remove the corrupt prosecutor general, he was doing so with an international consensus um, as part of U.S. policy. The entire European Union supported that. The IMF supported that. The IMF, which also gave the loans that, that he was referring to. And so he did that as part of the entire um, international community's consensus. And when... President Trump is asking for this investigation of uh, Joe Biden. All of the witnesses, every single one, testified that that had nothing to do with official U.S. policy.
4: And President, and Vice President Biden's request had no personal political benefit, whereas President Trump's request did?
6: Yes. In fact, if the witnesses testified that if that corrupt prosecutor general were actually removed... It would be because he was not prosecuting corruption. So the witnesses said that by removing that prosecutor general and adding a new one, that there was an increased chance that corruption in Ukraine would be prosecuted, including as it related to the Burisma Company, which his um, son was on the board of. Thank you. Now, Mr. Goldman, can you please explain exactly what happened with the phone records obtained by the Intelligence Committee? Yeah, thank you. I I would like to set the record straight on that. This is a a very basic and usual investigative practice where people involved in a scheme or suspected to be involved in a scheme, uh, investigators routinely seek their records. And just to be very clear, this is metadata. It is only call to, call from, and length. It is not the content of the calls. Uh, or the text messages. So there's no content, there's no risk of invading any communications with lawyers or journalists or attorney-client. That None of that exists and there are no risks to that. And so what we did is for the people that, several of the people that we had investigated and subpoenaed and who were uh, alleged to be part of the scheme, we got call records so that we could corroborate some of their testimony or figure out maybe there's additional communications that we were unaware of. What we then did is we took the call records and we match it up with important events that occurred during the scheme. And we start to see if there are patterns because call records can be quite powerful circumstantial evidence. In this case, it just so happened that people who were involved in the President Trump scheme were communicating with the president's lawyer uh, who was also involved in the scheme, a journalist, a staff member of Congress, and another member of Congress. We, of course, did not at all seek in any way, shape, or form to do any investigation on anyone, a member of Congress or a staff member of Congress. It just happened to be that they were in communication with people involved in the president's scheme. And everything you did was basically standard operating procedure for a well-run investigation? Every investigation in 10 years that I did, probably, we got call records. Thank you. Mr. Goldman, did White House counsel make his view clear about witnesses and evidence requested by the investigating committees, and what was that view? Uh, We never heard from the White House counsel, other than the letter, which basically just said we will not at all cooperate with this investigation in any way, shape, or form. They never reached out to engage in this accommodation process. It was a complete stonewall. Not only will the White House not uh, participate and not cooperate and not Respond to the duly authorized subpoenas of Congress, but we are the White House says we are also going to direct Every other executive branch agency to defy Thank you. now. Subpoenas. I have
4: a series of questions, and please keep your answers brief if you can During last week's hearing my Republican colleagues said that Congress has not built a sufficient record to impeach the president at this stage As a foreign prosecutor you have
6: spent years building substantial case records. What is the strength of the record here? I think we have moved fast, and I think that the evidence is really overwhelming. Uh, We have 17 witnesses with overlapping and consistent statements. And the committee managed to
4: collect such a compelling record in the face of unprecedented obstruction by the president, correct? Yes. And was the obstruction so pervasive that the evidence pointed to a course of of conduct or a plan to cover up any presidential misconduct? We, We did find that there was an effort to conceal the president's conduct, yes. And I understand that on October 8th, the White House wrote a letter explaining that President Trump had directed his administration not to cooperate with the White House's impeachment inquiry. In the letter, the White House counsel wrote, quote, President Trump cannot permit his administration to participate in this partisan inquiry under the circumstances. Now the investigative committees tried to interview dozens of witnesses, and including current and former Trump administration officials,
6: and was stymied with respect to most of them. Is that correct? Um, there were 12 witnesses who were directed not to appear and ultimately they did not appear. Thank you very much. My time has expired. I yield to the uh, ranking uh, ranking member, Mr. Collins.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Goldman, it's an interesting thing now. So now we can commit basically extortion or pressure on others if, as long as we have the international community behind us. As long as we get enough people to think we're okay. I can then go extort anybody I want to, as long as enough people think it's okay. That was in essence what you just said, whether you believe it or not, that's what, as I copied the notes, but I want to go to the phone records. It's a novel approach. The phone records issue, and I'm not, and hear me clearly. I have no problem with the subpoena as far as the subpoena power from Congress, not a problem. My problem, as you did not answer in the previous, though, is taking the metadata, the numbers. I did not say anything it's interesting you had to go and say, well there's no uh, content, or anything else. we've had that debate in Congress now for the last few years on the FISA program and other things, which by the way, this committee should be hearing FISA this week, the iG report just came out, and we're doing this it 's interesting to to see to me that the calls in the metadata and not the content. What the problem I have here is this, is if Rudy Nunez, uh, Giuliani, Nunez, Harvey were the only phone records returned from the subpoena, um, why are these released? Here's the problem. You took the committee, and this is why I want to know who ordered it. The committee made a choice. Chairman Schiff, who I'm assuming, because he's not here, or you, who did get to come, at least thank you for showing up, made a conscious choice to put these records into the report. It was a drive-by. It was a gratuitous drive-by. That you wanted to smear the ranking member or smear these others because they were in those numbers that were connected to that. I'm not saying you knew the content. I'm not saying anything else. In fact, you just admitted just a second ago that it was simply they were contacting these people. The problem I have with that is... Welcome
2: back, Tom Harvin. Here with you. Uh, It was getting a little bit interesting there. Uh, Jerry Nadler was talking to uh, Daniel Goldman, and they were talking about you know stuff was coming out. But then he turned it over to Doug Collins, and Doug Collins is trying to do the "let's play minutia" game and let me complain about stuff. So I'm just going to move on from that. Bernard in Savannah, Georgia. Hey, Bernard, what's on your mind today? Americans walk around
0: with their head in the sand. They have no idea how dangerous how dangerous Trump is. He's a narcissist. I've been hearing the word for years. I looked it, I Googled it. I I had to sit down because I couldn't believe what I was reading. If he going down, he's gonna try to take you with him. Misery love company. Yep. Americans walk around like, like zombies. Don't tell me this man would not do something with no nuclear codes. He goes on the ground for twenty five years somewhere, Wisconsin or whatever. Yeah. He don't care about he don't care about you. And another thing too, I make it straight to the point that uh is anything going to be done about his family making all that money? Isn't that it, against the
2: law? Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's against the law, but, the you know, there's, they're obviously grifters. <laughs> and to complain that Joe Biden's son took a job in Ukraine when you've got your daughter, your son, your son-in-law, your attorney general's son, your attorney general's daughter, all on your payroll is uh, is pretty rich. Thank you. you. You made your point very well, and I appreciate it. Joan in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Joan, what's up? Tom.
1: Um, the Democrats and their poor messaging, don't they realize that words are important and that people out here are struggling every day? I mean, not even if they're not poor, but I mean, just the daily routine of life, you know, occupies so much of your time and attention. But the Democrats just don't message
0: right. I agree. They just don't. I mean, you got
2: to make it. They should be. They, they sh- got
0: to talk to people the same way they talk to their families over the kitchen table.
2: Well, and, and I think they should be doing on. what the Republicans did when Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. They should be holding investigations into what was the deal. Why? Why was it that when Jared Kushner went over to the Middle East and asked for a billion dollars and didn't get it, that the Saudis blockaded Cutter until Cutter gave Jared that money? I think that, that that is worthy of a congressional investigation. And uh, I think that there's all kinds of examples of corruption that should be being investigated. Ivanka Trump, what? She got a patent for voting machines from China? Seriously? I would like to see a congressional inquiry into that. The Democrats just are not willing to play to you know to play hardball here. And they finally got their spine together on impeachment, but even here I think that they're going very very soft. So, Joe and I share your concern. And thank you so much for the call. Thank you for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active, and also share progressive media with your friends. Tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit tomhartman.com.